Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. All right, and we are live. All right, tonight, I just want to welcome a very old, very good friend of mine, Josh Drake, to the podcast. Josh, thank you for for allowing me to come up here and do this. Jerome, it is my pleasure. Thank you for uh, coming up to Charleston from your boat and having me on your show. I'm very grateful. I honestly, it, it's so good. This is just just to give the listeners a little bit of context here. So we've been friends since way back in high school. I think you were 16. I was 18 when we first met. Mm-hmm. We've been on camping trips. We did a, a ski trip out to Montana. You know, eight of us packed into a Chevy Tahoe for 38 hours, go from Michigan out there. So we've we've spent some good times together. And you know, sort of since those those trips, it was pretty much a big sort of blank spot, really. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, since I've been bringing the boat down here to Buford and you've been up here in Charleston, finally, this last this last year, we finally reconnected. And then I was able to what's this, this is the second time I've been up here. Yeah, I think you came up before Christmas, <clears throat> before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's the first time we'd seen each other in years. It's been great. Yeah, and yeah. It, I, it is one of those things that you know i've I've always I've always thought that you know when there's like this uh, certain amount of time that seems to go by with friendships where you'll it, I don't know it, it seems like the tendency is like well it's it's been like too many years I don't want to call and reach out like they'll they'll be mad at me or whatever. And I <laughs> honestly, I've, I've always tried to really push that away and, and downplay that because I, I can't tell you the number of people that I have somehow gotten their phone number or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I haven't talked to them in like, like we had for, you know, 10 years or something and you call them up and all of a sudden you're, you're on the phone for the next hour. And it's, it's something that makes my day usually makes the other person's day. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes their week or their month, you know. I think at this age, we were talking earlier, I think at this age, it's so fun and so important to just reconnect with old people and have memories. Who are you calling old? <laughs> Myself. <laughs> Myself. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm Me 40, too. folks. I'm 40. I'm technically over the hill. <laughs> now that I'm here, I don't really feel like I'm that old. But I used to look at people in high school and be, you're 25. That's so old. And now I'm 40, and I, I feel like I'm... I'm I know it's 20 is, years old still. So it is pretty crazy. I will, I will give you that. And I, I luckily, I mean, you're, when I'm looking at you right now, you don't look very different than when you were in high school. Um, I mean, honest to goodness, pretty much the same. You're not <laughs> 250 pounds. You're not bald. Like it's just, you're, you basically, I would pick you out of a crowd. No problem at all. And I'd like to thank Rogaine for that. <laughs> Those are the sponsors for the podcast yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. No, we can't say that. I don't oh, want any yeah, copyright. No, just kidding. I'm, I'm no, new kidding. to the podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, one of the, I guess one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on here is that you have led quite an incredible life. So if you would maybe just, maybe just give us a, a quick synopsis of, what you do for a living right now 
But then I definitely want to dive into how on earth you got there and some of the crazy travels that, that took you to that. So what, what, what are you doing these days? Hmm. Um, man, you make me sound really interesting. I don't ever see myself like that, but we can get into that later. Um, I am currently a uh, corporate photographer for an aerospace company here in Charleston. Um, people can probably Google it and figure it out, but that's what I do. Um, nice. Because of that, um, what I do, um, I can share some stuff. Um, I do 360 virtual tours um, of uh, interiors of uh, aircraft. Um, so and, that you're um, producing that with your camera and your eye, basically. Yeah. So I've got a shot list and I go in and I've got a team out in uh, Seattle that supports the back end of it, but I'm kind of the, the photographer on site. And then I have a team of uh, developers and post-production specialists that take the images I do and, and form them to a very high res, beautiful, um, deliverable as we call it for, uh, customers and our customers are people that, uh, everyone would be familiar with from, um, Etihad, Air China, United Airlines, American just any airline in the world, really. So these um, are typically new planes, and exactly, they're um, they're brand new planes that have not been transferred to the customer yet. I get in there in a, a tight window between Boeing ownership and customer ownership, um, often in the middle of the night, um, um, literally from like eleven p.m. to maybe four or five in the morning. I'm on these airplanes. And I will um, be on these brand new, um, you can Google all this, so it's fine. I mean, $300 million airplane, all alone, crawling around the flight deck, crawling around the uh, cabin rest, you know, all of the little extra hatches and spaces, photographing it head to toe. Um, and then about four or five months later, um, it gets kicked out internally. No one can really see it unless you're on the servers, which is, is, uh, is awesome. Um, but... Um, how many high res, these beautiful high res things, uh, tours of these amazing aircraft. So. And that, yeah, I mean, when, when somebody's looking at one of those tours, it's, it's, it's basically, you know, you hit the button and you can look and scan left and scan right. It, it, it feels like you're virtually inside of that airplane. It's not like I want to look at a picture of this and then I'll look at a picture of this. It's basically you can, it's almost like you're, you're turning your head, you're standing inside of yep. it. You can control it. You control it. it, it it's somewhat, you see it in real estate photography as well as like, um, car photography. I mean, but the, the camera, the quality is a whole different level at our level. Um, that's not a boast. It's just the nature of the business. But like, you know, you, you see it in the real estate photography, it's a similar concept, but it's just taken to like an A plus plus level. So, um, and that's all those, all those individual pictures, they're like, are they meshed together or is this like some camera that you set down and it actually like rotates? Yeah, it's a stitched, it's a stitched image. It's a Nikon D850. Um, I won't give too much away. I can give the camera away, a Nikon D850. And I manually will rotate it 10 different ways at each spot. And there'll be maybe 36 spots. So I'll go in and take about 500 different pictures in certain key locations. Mm -hmm. And then my team and I will organize them in a proper, a certain way that my team understands where they are on the aircraft. And then they all stitch together to this really beautiful, really cool, um, uh, UI user interface, um, program that they have internally and, uh, deliver them. So yeah, it's cool, man. I never thought I'd be here. Um, that's one part of my job. I get to deal with uh, VIPs and like people that come on site and stuff. So it, yeah, I do portraits, take off photos. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty exciting job. I never even knew it was possible. And, uh, I'm super grateful for, for it, especially during COVID. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I'm sure that's, that's definitely going to be classified as a essential job. So you probably, I mean, 
You're doing better than me doing my speaking gigs, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you have sailed around the world and hiked the AT, which are both very enviable, but yes. Well, I do have the memories, that's for sure. Yeah, and I do have the job, so we can arm wrestle later and figure there out we who, go. who won. But. Exactly. Well, and that's, I mean, so let me ask you this. What, what takes longer, the actual taking of the pictures or the editing it all together? Do you do, you do the editing as well? No, my team is either loves me or um, hates me for that. I'm much such a photographer. I'm kind of like I don't do a lot of the editing. I do, I do, I deliver them. I organize them. I put them on the server. But there's a do- literally a dozen people who take them off a server around the country and assemble these things. So, um, but there's a lot of work that goes into photographing it. Just coordination, timing, um, working relationships on the ground. It's a big organization, and so having the ability to interact with people and get access and not talk your way into it like it's nothing illegal but it's like you're just dealing with a lot of personalities and relationships and able to get your job done and done well is its own skill set and that's what I do well so I've kind of leveraged myself in the company like look I will be I will do the front of the house like a restaurant I'll be front of the house yeah. I'll greet the customer I will take their order I will deliver I will manage them y'all cook and give me something to present Right. It's kind of a front of the house, back of the house. A lot of people on my team are front and back of the house. Um, maybe I should be more both, but I, I think I've kind of positioned myself as a front of the house photographer guy, if that makes sense. Well, it, so. I mean, if you're doing what you're enjoying doing and you're able to sort of cut out the stuff that you don't, then I, that sounds like the great success story, <laughs> to tell yeah. you the truth. I mean, I, for instance, I have, I have hours and hours of videos and footage from some of my trips and I had to go through all lengths to get that footage uh, and spend, you know, months of time at, out at sea and all that sort of stuff. But uh, trying to edit it together is, to me, mind-numbing. And all I can say is that when I finish a quick three-minute little video, all I think is, wow, that could be way better. I wish I knew how to do this. And I wish I, and, and those are poor excuses because I'm sure I could learn. But I think... I think in the end, there's some people that have a talent for certain things like that and some people that have a talent for other things. I mean, you know, I'm sure if one day somebody comes along and wants to do string sort of some of the stuff I have into like a documentary, they're going to be really good at that and glad that I'm really good at going out and then, you know, spending all this time alone (laughs) out in the ocean, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, I talked to a couple of my colleagues and I'm like, did you do you love Photoshop or do you specialize in like, yeah, no, I did. I'm like, okay, that makes sense because I specialize in, in, in journalism and taking pictures and, and I, I never really cared about editing. So anyways, well, and thank goodness that there are people like that because it, it, it just, it wouldn't work the other way. If, if it was just like a one man show all the time, that's why that's one of the things that I miss so much um, from, you know, working a normal job, before all the COVID stuff and everything, it's just being part of a team where you have all these different sort of facets, different people doing different things that eventually come together in this, this great output of, you know, productivity or whatever it is. I mean, for us, it was, it was a boatyard. <laughs> so it was hauling boats and painting boats and fixing boats and this and that. But I don't know. I do miss that. I miss being uh, in that. I mean, cause are you, are, are all you guys, working from home now 
Uh, yes, unless I've got colleagues going out west who go in and photograph a certain plane, um, or some people travel to do that. But other than that, all the editing and post production, thankfully, everything's you know you can do from a laptop. Yeah, so yeah. most people are yes waking up and and doing this the processing at home. As long as you got the bandwidth. Literally, yeah. No, the biggest <laughs> gripes on the Friday calls is like, uh, it took me um, nine hours to download the files because we're shooting huge files. I'm like, that's a whole oh, day yeah. right there of just trying to get it downloaded on your laptop, let alone edit it. So, how many, um, how well, like, let me ask you, how many like megabytes or gigabytes? So, every scene, if we're taking, if it's a 50 meg camera and we mm-hmm. take 10 pictures per scene, so you're looking at 50 megs per scene times about 36 scenes on a on a well, the, the largest aircraft I shoot here without naming it. So, um, so anywhere from 36, 28 to 36 scenes times 50 megs. So, someone out there is better at math than I am. Y'all figure yeah, that geez, out. Geez, we shouldn't have had it's a lot pre terabytes pre podcast cocktails. Yeah, I know. Dang it. Hey, you told me to go ahead yeah, and have one well, or two. I wanted you loose, I didn't want y'all uptight and stuff. So. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I didn't well, want to be there. Okay, so that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I. I recently uploaded um, the full version, which is only six and a half minutes long, of uh, the departure video up on YouTube, and I want to say that's in the six, seven hundred megabyte range, something like that. And it it took a little while, but I think what you're talking about is leaps and bounds beyond that. Yeah. What, well, let me yeah. ask you: What's the biggest hard drive you have here? How many terabytes is it? It's, I don't have a hard drive that big. We have servers. I just upload right to a server. Oh, you who do. knows okay, where okay. it goes? But we have servers, and they're 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 big. Now make sure you're not giving away any information. Where if if a knock comes on that door already? No, no, it's vague. I'm being vague. Okay, I'm being good. vague. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I just don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. Well, let's 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 diverge off of that um, a little bit. It, it is. It's. I I got to tell you, I'm. I was super impressed. Last time I was up here was the first time I sort of realized that you were doing that stuff when you were showing me some of the work. And it's so impressive. And it's so cool to see, you know, uh, an old friend after so long, you know, uh, I guess compared to me finding you in a rat infested you know, <laughs> roach motel, half passed out in the gutter, you know, clearing 40 ounce bottles off of the the coffee table to sit down and, and sleep on your couch. So I, I, I just want to say really quickly, like, well done. I'm very, very impressed, my friend. Well, thank you. I was not uh, the other side of that story. It could have been me very easily, but uh, I've been blessed. <laughs> could have been, been fortunate. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, but I, you know, it, it must've taken a huge amount of work to get there. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I guess. I guess I, I sometimes I sell my I'm sure I sell myself short, but I think that I'm still just uh, a guy with you, a camera if, learning, <laughs> and I don't know how my career has unfolded, how it has. Um, so, but as I long guess, as you don't tell me that you know, oh well, no, I just posted a picture of this car on Instagram, and then I got a call the next day. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it wasn't okay. like that. Good, all yeah. right, people, you got to work for it. There Everybody was listen up. Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> well, but you, I, so, I mean, photography for you, even when, when I think about our, our trips, our camping trips, so Josh and I have been on, I think six, five or six, one to two week long camping trips. You know, this was back in the, the late nineties to early two thousands. And 
of all of us, there were six, six of us friends on these trips. And of all of us, you were always the one who had an actual camera. I think, you know, every once in a while, one of us brought some, some crummy little thing, but you, you definitely were the one who was always taking the good quality pictures. And we, we sort of were always waiting to see what, what you came up with after the trips. And I mean, did it start even before that or was that sort of the impetus to, to all of it? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's great. Yeah. It was a, uh, for any camera geeks out there, it was a Canon AE one. Um, I'm probably shooting, Oh gosh, some sort of Kodak or Fuji. Yeah. That was back in the day of film. Folks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, you know, it did start in Petoskey, Jerome, where we all were. I worked at the camera shop up there. Craig's classic camera. Oh, you did. That's where it all started. I moved up from Indianapolis to Petoskey in 95. My mom recognized I was bored and needed a job. So I went down and applied to the camera store. I wasn't really into photography. I ended up developing the camera. It just got kind of in with this this great couple up there. And they kind of took me under the wing. And I learned photography. And I was like, hey, you know what? I really like this. And I enjoy it. And then uh, we just kind of dabbled with it forever. And then when we were doing those trips, I was like, you know, just, it was just very exploratory at that age. Well, and I do remember, though, at that age on those trips... I think, you know, myself and some of the other guys with our cheap little chintzy cameras, we always ended up with like the volume. We we would have, you know, 150 or 200 pictures and mm-hmm. you'd have maybe 25, yeah. but they were all really good and they seemed to always sort of capture the right sort of moments and stuff. But I, I, I remember, I definitely remember you saying a lot of times like, ah, I'm always hauling this camera around and I never take any pictures. <laughs> At least on our camping trips. And, you know, we're we're all filthy and, and canoeing or hiking and all that sort of stuff. So it's a little different. But I, I do remember, you know, and I still have, I'm sure, at least a few of your pictures framed. Because uh, it was always easy to tell because you were the only one who wasn't in them. And those were always the best pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so there was... That's funny. There's definitely... Um, I, th- I think there were some hints that you you had at least a, a little bit of a talent right from the get-go. But I, I couldn't, yeah, I, now that you remind me, I definitely remember that little tiny camera shop. It was right downtown. Um, oh, my gosh. Across the street from Flatiron. It was right next yeah. door to, um, oh, my gosh. Like Killwinds. What's the pie shop that was there? Jespersons. Jespersons, yeah, yeah. Right next oh to Jespersons, gosh. yeah. Downtown Petoskey, Michigan. For your summertime needs, head up on down to Petoskey, Michigan. All right, now we're back from commercial break. Uh, <laughs> Petoskey Chamber of Commerce here. And you can ski in the winter, sail in the summer, and enjoy the beautiful colors of golden foliage in the fall. Just don't come in spring, because basically everything's muddy and it snows still. <laughs> Sorry, Petoskey. No, but that's that's sort of where we grew up. It's uh, For other Michiganders, it's at the tip of the mitt. We're below the bridge, so we're nicknamed Trolls, but we're not Youpers, and we're very proud of that. Yep. But I do love all my Youper listeners, if I have a single one. Yep. <laughs> no, Patat, Northern Michigan's great. Oh, no. we had Beautiful to- year-round, except for six months. Yeah, yeah, right. There we go. Well, I, I'm, I've always, I've always enjoyed that, that four seasons. I really have, and and for as much time as I've lived down in the Caribbean, where we have one season, uh, it really, 
it made me miss it made me miss the forests with the big trees and it made me miss you know going through those seasons but when i go back and visit give me give me about two weeks in the dead of winter and i'm so ready to bounce back south for sure yeah absolutely yeah i've been in the south now since um i was in texas houston in 2005 so 15 years between texas and charleston um yeah i don't know that i could go north i i for a while i wanted to and i was back in indianapolis over christmas with my kids and Love seeing my family. It's so great. Just drinking hot chocolate and starting happy hour at four. Yeah, but, uh, it's dark. It's great then. for a week, but uh, I would have to do that every day. I, I couldn't do it. I, I love the Sun Belt. Um, I, I like Charleston. I'm happy to raise my family down here. Well, have you, has, since being down here, have you had to experience any of the beautiful hurricanes that, that roll up here every year we run away from our, it's called a hurricane is what we call it here it's a oh, hurricane good man you either go north we usually go north to brevard depending on which way it's coming or down to like when our kids were real young daytona because no one cares if you have kids because <laughs> like two-year-old toddlers screaming it's like yeah well we're in daytona what do you expect <laughs> so you know go south or north um but um well, uh, actually, I'm tempted to ride one out. I kind of want to ride one out, hunker down, hit the Costco liquor store, and just ride it out. Well, let me let me just tell you, you're gonna you're gonna love it for about the first I don't know half hour to an hour, and then it's gonna be nothing but annoying, a little bit scary, depending on how bad it is, and uh, and that's about it. I've had to ride out a couple down in the Caribbean. Now, granted, down there, you know, all the roofs are leaking, and everything gets really gross and wet and and it's just rainy and we lose all our power and everything but if if you decide to do that let me know i'll give you a good list of what you'll need to be able to at least run your tv and maybe your nintendo 64 yeah if we can find the uh the special, <laughs> the special cord to make it yeah. work ancient yeah. yeah gamestop did not have the cord tonight oh i don't know if you should mention that that's deflammatory oh <laughs> towards them uh, can we we'll, not say it? We'll edit that out, I guess. No, I'm pretty sure you could. Well, right now, you might not be able to say GameStop just because it's such a hot topic. It's but a very hot topic. Like I said uh, before we started, you know, you can say whatever as long as it doesn't have anything to do with politics and all the, the chaos that's going on around us. Because I, mean, I, I want this podcast to always sort of be a break from that. Sure. You know, I just want it yep. to be... Easy peasy. So if you don't mind, Josh, can we just stay on track? Just stay off the politics, doggone it. <laughs> no problem. Happy to avoid it by all cost. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure the listeners can can feel the good vibes. It, it is it's just uh I don't know. It, it's so fun reconnecting with old friends and I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where I feel like, yeah, obviously there was a gap. We were all doing our own thing. I was in the Caribbean, you were down in Texas, all this sort of stuff, and I don't know. Now I feel like it's like a new beginning. <gasps> Were those uh, sparks? I think sparks just yeah, transferred right? between our fingers. <laughs> no, I do. And it, it does make me, it, it makes me extra pushy when it comes to trying to formulate another reunion camping trip because our last big one was probably 2004 where we had at least five or six of us there. Mm-hmm. And although we've done a few with some other people since then, uh, it's, yeah, we're getting close to like the 20, well, we're past the 20 year anniversary from the first trip, 
we're I think next year will be this this fall would be the twenty fourth or twenty third anniversary of the first trip. So yeah, I'm gonna start pushing. Get ready for the group emails again. I think we're all oh, ready for it. We're all getting older. Don't make me do this when we're dead. All that sort of stuff. It's coming <laughs> down the pipeline. <laughs> now, I think we were talking earlier. I think it's now that we're all over 40, it's, an, it's more special having old friendships. And not everyone has what we have, man. Not everyone has, you know, I think we take it for granted, like that we're all not super connected, but I feel like we could all pick up the phone or shoot an email and everyone be like, get excited about it pretty quick. But yeah, dude, let's do that, you know? I know. You yeah. know, I think we've. We've got a good group of friends, and I think it shouldn't. Well, let me you ask know. you this: out of out of the group, um, I know there's there's one other person in our group of six that I talk to pretty regularly, but the others, some of them, it's been ten years or more. Uh, how about you? Yeah, um, I've talked to um, talked to Gunner a little bit. Yeah. Um, and he's up in Alaska. Up in Alaska, yeah. Uh, not a lot. We we I think we actually talked on the phone sometime last fall. That was the first time I'd heard from him in a while. But you know, it's the same thing with you, man. It's just like picking right up where we left off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like you know, it's been ten years, but it's like not it hasn't you know. So, um, I think that's yeah. the real you know. If if anybody gets anything from this podcast, it's if if there's some old friend that's on your mind and you got their contact info and you haven't talked to them in a while. Yeah. You know what I would call that? I'm a, it's sort of a tangential on that is that, um, you know, I think that's leadership. Like picking up the phone and calling someone and saying, you know what? I'm in town. Want to get together? Grab an old beer, old buddy. You know, I think that's like an important thing that people are looking for in life. You know, like I'm glad you reached out. If you didn't reach out to me, I never would have known you were in Beaufort. So I think that's great. Like, oh, that's, did I do the reaching out? I think so. I don't think I would have nice. reached out and said, "Hey, let me know when you're in Buford." I would never would have known you were down well, there. Well, as a sailor, you know, you know, we have to take charge. We're decision makers by nature. Exactly. Well, let me ask you this: Why do you think most people tend to do the opposite and not reach out and think that too much time has passed, or you know, uh, we had an argument 26 years ago, so? It's pretty much over. I've I've always thought that you know if you if you start out as good friends, then there's a reason for that. But why why do you think that you know people are so apt to just be like, yep, done. Yeah, um, I'm putting you on the spot here. That's a thinker. Yeah, I mean, fear, insecurity, and just negative self talk, like. You know, eh, they don't want to hear from me. I haven't heard from them. They haven't reached out to me. Why do I reach out to them? I'm too busy. Where meanwhile, most people are probably just sitting around, especially during COVID, going, "Man, I would love it if my old buddy Jerome was happened to be in town, wanted to grab a drink. That's that would make my day. That make my week. You know." So, I think just the human nature for us all to kind of get a little insecure, or quiet sometimes. You know, so. um but that's my two cents. Not to take it too deep. No, no, no. But, uh, it's good. I mean, you know, I, I, I. It's kind of interesting. I think on that same subject, there's there's been plenty of times where I have called somebody and said, you know, I really, I really liked that post of you and your kids, or you know, that picture that you did, or the picture that you drew, and it's something that I saw like on on social media. But it was it was 
something where I don't know. I just I didn't like just press my thumb on the screen. I actually wanted to like call them and and say, hey, that was really cool. Tell me about that. And um, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I was going with that. But I think we called that the last, the lost art of like relationship. <laughs> you know, like like actually reaching out and not just liking something or commenting like, oh, they know I'm interested because I liked it. Well, I'm guilty I, as charged, but you're taking the next step and making it an action. Well, and that, that sort of reminds me. So my, my, I think my interlude into that was that maybe it's, it's some of, you know, the norms of things like social media that while they sort of promise this, you know, coming together and everybody's gonna, we're going to all be connected in actuality. If you're, if you're really connected, then yeah, you're, you're picking up the phone and being like, Oh my gosh. Like cause when somebody posts something they're really happy about or this or that, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to just sort of like it. It's another thing to actually either pick up the phone or write an email or, or do anything like that, where you're actually reaching out and, and connecting and be like, Oh my gosh, I just heard the news that's fantastic. Can we talk about it rather than just being like smiley face? Yep. <laughs> done my, done my bit here. We're still good friends. You know, <laughs> how ridiculous does that sound? Oh, the love hate relationship with social media and just today's world in general. Gosh, <sighs> I know. Well, yeah. and I, you know, I, I don't mean to try and steer it that way. I, I definitely, um, I think I think uh, that stuff has has huge, huge pros and definitely huge cons, just like anything in the world. Sure, but you know, I, I feel like we we could easily go down a rabbit hole and we're we're just tiptoeing around it. And I don't yeah. know. No, let's not go there because I will say this is I'm going to let social media is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's it is a beautiful thing. It just uh, hey, we're going to be pumping this podcast all over social media. Yeah, 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 so. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, so. just trying to get the information. Well, all right. So, so to try and track around and, and sort of stay in any sort of direction here, we started talking about how you know that little spark of ah, photography's pretty cool. This this looks like it could be something that I like to I like to do, mm-hmm. and post college, post high school, now you're sort of coming into your own, and that's where things get really interesting. Because you started, was was your trip to Liberia was that the first like big adventure? You remember that, huh? That's well, you told me about it last time. Yeah, yeah, a um, little bit. I'm, I still, I didn't get all the details, and you don't have to go too far into it if you don't want to. But yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, um, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's amazing, and I, I don't know why. I think, I think the, the whole idea of, of a place like Liberia or Somalia, or just a place that's that's so war-torn and things are so messed up. But I, I don't know. There's there's something that's always fascinated me about that. And you've actually been there. So please, just how did it all happen? Yeah, no, that's really cool. You remember that. Um, where do I start? I always had a desire to travel. I grew up um, in today's world, I think... Um, not a knock on social media at all. It's just the way the world. I think people grow up on social media, looking at images. When I grew up back in the mid nineties, when I was coming of age, I was, I was, I would look through uh, national geographics and national geographics always had oh, yeah. my mind abroad. 
And right. I always wanted to do the culture pieces and travel. And so yada, 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 I really always wanted to travel. And I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a family that traveled a lot. I mean, we're a good family, pretty well educated. We just travel back in the mid-90s. And it's just not what it is today, where people have passports and people by the time they're 18 are, have traveled to a few different continents. It's just it's not how it was. But I always had this desire. I was like, man, I want to go see the world. I want to go explore. I want to use my camera. Um, well, you, but you had already sort of, you sort of knew that the camera was going to be the career. Yeah. So after, after high school in Petoskey and doing the outdoor trips with you guys, um, I went to Montana, University of Montana, got a journalism, photojournalism degree, a journalism degree with emphasis in photography. Um, then I ended up getting a job. I'll skip a few years with BP, the energy company down in Texas. So I was working for uh, corporate okay. again right. and I was doing, um, photography at a refinery and, um, I was making enough money at a young age, not a ton, but for a 25 year old, you don't need much. And I said, you know, I had a little vacation sort up. I was like, you know what? I, I, you know, I want to travel. And so another side note, how, so I, I knew I wanted to travel and I knew I wanted to use my camera. Yeah. How did I get to Liberia? Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in, in God and, uh, and Jesus. And, uh, when I was in, in Texas, I actually um, started going to an all-black church, an African-American church in Texas. I was one of two white guys at this church in South Houston. Um, it was amazing. I went there for a couple of years, probably. Um, amazing gospel music. They do church all day. <laughs> Sunday is church, 9 a.m. to like 5 p.m. It's culture. Um, it's amazing. Community. Yeah. Yeah. It explained, it, it explains a lot. I, I love it. They're passionate. They're very welcoming. Um, I never felt like an outcast. I was welcome in. They, people smiled and were so excited every time I walked in. The music made, brought me to tears. Anyways, there was, they would have, they had this pastor come over from Liberia and he was just a total zealot for his people. And I was a eager young guy with the camera and everything was just kind of bubbling out of me. And then, I met him and he's like, yeah, you should come to Liberia. You should come to Monrovia and, and I'll give you a tour. And I was like, yeah, awesome. All right. Africa, plane ticket. Cool. Whatever. Didn't really know that they had just come out of a civil war 24 months before. I <laughs> no went there. research done. Didn't Let's realize that it was, you know, West Africa where like Ebola and a uh, Nile virus. And like, because yeah, you know, this was what? Mid. This was 2008. And in 2006, their civil war ended in Monrovia. This is, this is Monrovia, uh, Liberia, uh, butts right up to, um, Totally forgetting uh, well, not Ivory Coast. What's the other one? The, the Diamond Trade, that border between, with with Liberia and everyone else. It's, it's just it's a very it's a very um, <clears throat> rough part of the world. Yeah. And anyways, I went over there, suburban white kid, no freaking clue, <laughs> excited camera. Went over there ten days. Um, for people who aren't familiar with with, with Africa or traveling over the. Um, you know, usually people think that the government's the most powerful force in the country and Africa predominantly it's the church, at least in yeah. sub-Saharan Africa. I was with a pastor in Liberia. So anyways, the point is he had like a relative mansion on like the coast looking over the Atlantic Ocean. It was an amazing view, beautiful view right outside. It was destitute poverty, war torn. Well, yeah. What was the? I mean, messed me up in a good way. Well, and obviously, so so you had a pretty much one of the best people in the country to to have as your sort of guide in a way, but like you you flew in there, they he must have met you at the airport or had people to meet you. Oh yeah, you must have had some shock the minute you landed there and been 
you know. Culture shock. Yeah, I flew Houston to um, Brussels and then Brussels Airlines down into, um, I think we went through, we go through Evijon, which is in uh, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, and then jumped over to Monrovia. Or maybe that was the way out. You jump through Ivory Coast and back up. Regardless, you, you get into Monrovia. And I mean, I'm a white kid from Carmel. I'm a white guy from Northern Michigan and getting dropped into Africa. I not much chance of me blending in. Yeah. I had not seen much outside of maybe going to Chicago or Indianapolis a little bit. And my mind just exploded in a very good and healthy way. Yeah. Um, wasn't like terror and like, no. ah, get me back on the next plane. But no, I, I loved it. I, I, man, I, it changed my life. It really did in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the airport, the drive from the airport into town, you know, it's war torn. There's no power. It's pitch black. You're driving around. People have, you know, AK-47s. Who knows if they freaking work? You just, they just know they have guns. For all I know, they could be rusted yeah. and don't even came and fire around. But everyone's armed. Um, it's hot. It's sticky. I'll never forget flying there. Um, these uh, stewardess on, on uh, Brussels Airlines, you know, are walking down the airline um, after you land in Abidjan and Ivory Coast and they're spraying aerosol cans. I'm like, I'm like, what is that? They're like, oh, it's just to protect against West Nile. I mean, you're in a different world. I mean, you're going yeah. from Indianapolis, like suburban kid to I am in a different part of the world. I'm sure my parents are more concerned for me than I realize. I know I would be now if my daughters were over there. Not that oh, a, there's anything concerned gosh. with Africa or Liberia, but it's just a big, it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I travel with a lot of naivete. It's and what they call a hot spot in yeah, the world. Yeah, a lot of naivete, <laughs> but it, it was great. I loved it, man. I was over there, and um, that week I uh, – so the bishop, he was a bishop and uh, relatively powerful in the country, and the irony is, you know, you're driving around and not a land cruiser, but in a, like, uh, little Suzuki some little SUV that's probably like from 84 yeah, the yeah. wheels are falling off we had to Somehow change the tires works. <laughs> but you go up to these checkpoints like every 20 miles or 10 miles on a dirt road and more armed guns more UN troops and this guy I'm with and they look in they see a white guy and uh they say something and we and and we go you know we we, we get to go through the through the checkpoint so um so you I mean it, being able to feel that sort of uh, level of protection in a place like that i'm sure was was pretty good i mean let me ask you this what what do you think your thoughts would have been if you were just like you know what i, I think i want to go to liberia and i'm just going to go there by myself and i don't know anybody would you recommend that to anybody i would not recommend that <laughs> okay. to anyone gotcha no right. no your chance of being the, yeah caveat yeah thing. yep <clears throat> um yeah i'll try to summarize it a little bit quicker but you know like oh, i always tell people like you know that week Ripped open my mind to the rest of the world. Yeah. I cried that week. I prayed. I laughed. I probably looked stunned. I'll never forget walking up to like an orphanage and there's issues with orphanages. I get that. But in this place where there's war torn and there were tons of kids left alone with their parents who were just murdered. So, I mean, sometimes orphanages can be bad. Sometimes they can be good. Whole nother podcast. But I remember walking up, bro, to this, to this orphanage like day four after I had just been like, I mean, where am I? Is this real life? Yeah. Or is my life back in Texas real life? Or my life, is my childhood real? Or is this the real world? I mean, it was mind-blowing. And I just remember walking up to this orphanage, and here come literally probably 300 children, most of them naked, mm -hmm. 
just running and it's not it, it sounds cliche running and happy they weren't happy they're just they're just kids i just started bro i wasn't like weeping but i i felt tears just running i just started crying i just burst out of crying not like <laughs> but just like eyes wide open and tears were just like a faucet i i was like numb but i was crying i was like i don't know what is going on yeah this is so out of my reality that this is the world and a good portion of the world. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do with this? So the end result of that, to fast forward, so I, well, my faith took off after that. I had my mind ripped open. And at that point, I was uh, working for corporate America or corporate Europe. I was working for BP in Texas. Right. And I'd been there for three years. I walked back in on a Monday. And went oh, up to back my back to BP to BP. Yeah, you know. And once I got back from my trip that next week, I walked in, and I had so much reflection, so much heart change, that I walked up to my boss, who he was kind of like my dad almost. He was a great guy. He'd taken me in. I was a young guy, and I was like, you know, I was like Neil, I can't do this. Right. I, I'm done. I'm quitting. He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I, I don't know. I just I can't do this. This isn't. I I can't do this. Like, I'm not just going to work corporate America and, like, buy a house and buy a truck and die. Like, I've got, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm done. He's like, well, do you have a plan or anything? I was like, no, but this isn't it. Like, there's a world outside of safe corporate America that I can't participate in right now. And so I moved. Well, actually, I moved up to Houston from, like, South Houston. And then they immediately hired me back, and I contracted for them, so... Ironically, I kept working for corporate America, but I was still, but I freed myself up so I could do more travel and start to explore the world more. Right, right. Does that make sense? Oh my, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is until you're actually exposed to some of what else goes on on this planet we're spinning around on. I mean, we've always as Americans had, had a, a really sort of bad trade of thinking that, you know, we're, we're sort of the center and, and what's going on in, in here is the same that goes on over there. Cause it's all gotta be like this, right? Of course. But it's, it's vastly insanely different and not even close. Oh, it's, I mean, it, and, and in some ways it's way better when mm -hmm. you have these communities that even though they're struggling and, they're they they don't have you know money to be able to buy things they're the ones that that routinely night after night come together to uh, everybody shares food and they make these great meals that fill up everybody and they're or or at least feed everybody a little bit but the whole communities come together i mean compare that to uh, a family that has all the money in the world that sits around a table and half of them are staring at their phone you know it's it's Who's happier? Uh, I, I guarantee you the community that's coming together that doesn't even have electricity and, and had to catch their food that day sort of thing. But Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, just being exposed to that and and having having your world rocked. I mean, that, that, that story, I had goosebumps going up the arms listening to that. I can, and I, I, I wish we had, you know, 10 hours to just, just talk about some of the experiences and things that you saw in Liberia. I mean... Uh, I I I know you have you have a lot of photos from it and stuff and we'll I'll definitely have the link to to your website. Not that I'm trying to do a senseless plug here, but no, 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 if if anybody is curious about Liberia, 
outside of of some of Josh's pictures, just Google it. And you're oh. if you don't know anything about it, just have a seat before you do it. Because yeah. that place is it's uh it's different. Whew. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. The one thing that came to mind when you're saying that is you know, I think the difference between um you know, developing countries in America or it, it, from a, from a Christian perspective, you know, poverty of spirit versus poverty of like, uh, uh, of wealth. And I think in America and the Western world, we are, uh, we suffer from poverty of spirit in a sense of we lack those inter- interconnected relationships. Yes. It's easy to look at developing countries, their role countries, whatever the proper term is these days. Um, and be like, you know, they're happy with so little, um, it's a catch 22. They it are, is. they yeah. are, you know, they are, they, they are, but it's not that they don't want more, but it's just that they, they're just so reliant upon each other and relationships because they don't have anything else. And it's not that that's like something we need to yearn for. And I always, this is a question you've traveled the world, Jerome, you know, sometimes one of my convictions after traveling a lot through sub-Saharan Africa has always been, you know, so many times I've sat at the end of a day on a mission trip or something here and there in Uganda or Ethiopia or Liberia. And I'm like, do we really want for that? Do we really want America for them? Yeah. Like, is that our end goal? Like, do we, I don't know that I wish America on them. I mean, yeah. America's our reality. So we have to vote in it and fight it and love it and absorb it and deal with it. But I don't know that I want America or the Western world on everyone else. I mean, well, I, I think, I think in some ways I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I think when people think of that, they don't think of like, I want America I, I don't want to bring America here. It's I want to bring freedom here because there's this sense that if you're in that sort of situation, there must be some tyrannical leader who's living in a palace out in the jungle somewhere who's sucking up all the, you know, all the resources, resources from the country and, and leaving his, his people impoverished and stuff. And I mean, you know, that's, you can debate that all day long, but, I, I think what you're saying is, you know, is it better to want for as as typical sort of the American success stories? I want my nice big house and I want to own that piece of land and put a nice little white picket fence around it and basically become this little island where I can retreat and, and have and live in the things that I own as opposed to living in a very tight-knit little community that everybody's sort of in each other's business because the only way it's going to work is that we're all depending on each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say my, my biggest experience with that is, is in the, the Caribbean islands and living down there for as long as I did and, and so thankfully being ingratiated into those communities the way I was, uh, was, was probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever had where I was at birthday parties for grandmothers and children and things like that, where I just, I was being shown this level of, of acceptance that is pretty difficult to find these days in the States. And I'm not saying that you can't find it because it is here. Uh, but it's, it, it seems like, it seems like these days it's not the poster child for what success is. Success isn't having, you know, to 
all come together on our huge block and everybody brings something and we can all eat because if we don't, it's, you know, people are going to go hungry. I, I suppose it's still in that same sense, but it's like, you know, real success is that we've all got our big houses on this block and we're going to throw a big kick-ass party and it's going to be fully catered and, you know, so-and-so showing up and we're going to, you know, uh, show it off to the world sort of thing. I, I don't know. I mean, again, boy, these, these rabbit holes, they're so tricky. And I, I, I they're slippery slopes. I know. That's for sure. I, I feel like we're still, you know, just touching on them enough to sort of spark some ideas and some thoughts. Um, but again, it, yeah, it is, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Cause yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I, I don't want to live in, in a slum in, um, you know, in Kenya, in Nairobi. I mean, we, I still remember seeing that we never actually went into it. Um, and, and I actually, when I think back on it now, I wish I had, I wish there was some offer to have somebody at least go in there with me. Um, I was too young and just too chicken shit to do it myself. But it, it, at that time, I believe it was the, one of the largest slums in the world, 900,000 people being a 200 people to one bathroom. Uh, just, just basically as we drove past for what seemed like miles, just corrugated, roof housing just modge podge together that followed the contours of the hills it just went on and on and on and it's just you're just thinking to yourself i mean that's all that's all people it's just all people that basically have next to nothing but they have each other and i'm not saying it's great to live in there and i'm i'm sure a place like that is just horrific but oh man i, I don't know it's 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 something where it definitely changes you when you see that stuff. Changes you big time. Yeah. One of my, uh, I think it's, I've got five-year-old twin daughters, um, Addie and Emma, and uh, I, I want them to see the world. And we're talking about this conversation about how important it is to see the world. And I, and I think it is, and I definitely am going to do everything I can to, I've been saving up airline miles for years, waiting to take my kids abroad and show them the world. Nice. Not just Europe, even though Europe's beautiful and amazing and easy to travel to because you can just land and you're independent. But, um, you know, if I was a policymaker, I think with all this money that we're spending, one little idea I always had, is like, I feel like kids in high school in America should be, you know, every kid in America, well, maybe high school or maybe college, but not everyone goes to college. So maybe high school oh, should have to go trip. senior trip, have to do a semester or go abroad and not just to like Spain or somewhere, but like go to a second or developing and get your mind open at a young yeah. age to what is real. The rest of the world really is doing it because it's so easy to become U S centric and that's fine. America. And, and this is the other thing. I am a huge Patriot. I love America. I work for a great American company. I, 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 I love America. We I do, do have, the greatest country in the world. Um, and I can attest to that because I've been obviously very fortunate and very blessed and very privileged to have traveled and used my time and money self-earned. My parents never funded any of my travel. I've chosen to travel. And I think it's important that people see the world. It come, whether you're on the right or the left or the middle or purple, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or non-believer. It doesn't matter. It's just seeing the world and seeing how other people live, I think is so important. And I wish... Um, sorry, we're not trying to get political. I just wish, wish 
I think it'd be great if every high school kid, or I guess for myself, I wish I was exposed to travel at a younger age because I think it has the ability to really shape people's perspectives in a really healthy way and makes you not only open your mind, but helps you appreciate what America has to offer. You know, well, that, I, no, I, you know I it is the land of more. opportunity. I mean, you can do anything you want in America, but until you go abroad and see what people will do to get to America and usually can't because you can't get a visa to the U.S. if you don't have a reason to go back to your own country. That right. was the big irony. I interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, right. We could go anywhere, but we wouldn't yeah. let anybody oh, in. Yeah, everyone except maybe two or three countries. I mean, oh, Syria and Iran, and maybe North Korea. You can't go to as an American, but every other country they get come on in. You know why? You know why you're allowed in as a as an American? Because they know you will go home, and you yes, you'll bring <laughs> your dollars. But because that's why African friends that I have in Uganda and uh, Liberia, they can't get visas to America. You know why? Because America is like, we don't know that you'll actually go home. It's not a harsh thing. It's just a reality. That's That sunk into me at one point. It's like, yeah, Americans will return home, most of them. Because what isn't there to want to return to? Right. You got, you know? So, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm going down a different tangent. But I just think well, I, no, I, travel's I, important. I hear you. I mean, and especially at that age where... You know, you're you're still basically forming your ideas of of what's going on. You're just you're young. You're you're a kid, and under the right sort of supervision, I mean, one, it would it would make sure that everybody gets a passport, which I think I think everybody needs to do that. I mean, you yes. should everybody should have a passport. You should be able to go to Canada, and go down to Mexico, whatever. You know, they're our nearest neighbors. But then, yeah, to go and experience a place that is vastly different than our own. Just to, I don't know, just broaden broaden the horizons of everybody. I mean, because they, uh, yeah, it is. It's and I, I, for some reason, I feel like that at some point was sort of a thing, where you know, senior, junior, senior year in high school, like that, that, that would be something that was normally orchestrated by the schools. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I saw that in a movie or something. I don't know. I never got to do that. Yeah, but you know, whatever. I know. I I think my brothers probably did, but they didn't. They didn't go to any place, you know, that was developing or anything like that. I, I think, like you had said, they. I think Sven. I think he went to Spain or something. Yeah. So and no knock on Spain. It, any any culture is good culture. I, I oh, guess yeah. I, from Absolutely. my perspective, I'm I'm a little sarcastic, and I can be like, you know, I haven't said it to my kids yet, but when they get older, it's like, hey, and this is not a knock. It's a very PC world, but hey. You keep it up, you're gonna go to Camp Haiti. Like I'm gonna send you down to, you're gonna yeah, go, right. you know, well, you're gonna go right see, down there. Yeah. you're gonna go, go down to Haiti for a week and see. You think you have a bad hair? You don't want to put your dishes in the dishwasher, Addy or Emma? You don't oh, want to tie your shoe? Or you're going even. to Camp Haiti for a week? You know, you think yeah, you've got a bad started. living in Mount Pleasant? <laughs> First class ticket to uh, to uh, Haiti for yeah, you. Okay, right. come back and let me know if you want to put your dish in the dish in the dishes. <laughs> uh, well, okay, let me so. Uh, not to just go off on tangents because we definitely could, and I'm sure we will after this podcast is done. Um, but so, you know, after Liberia, how, how many other places? What what were some of the other really memorable places that you went to? Um, yeah, it's fun. I had to fill this out the other week for something for work. Um, Ooh, nice, it's fresh. Yeah, I went to. Uh, so after Liberia, I went back to Africa. I went to Uganda um, with a great organization, um, PMI at the time. It's One World Health now. I went. Quarterly, four times a year for about three years, I went to Uganda. Oh, wow. Uh, doing medical mission trips, and I was the camera 
camera guy, photo video. So I'm very familiar with Uganda. Um, as are a lot of people, it's a, it's a hot spot for, for mission work, but it's a beautiful country, beautiful people. I've been to Uganda a ton. Out of that, I realized, you know what? I want to see some other parts of Africa. Um, was it fortunate to do a couple layovers in Ethiopia? So let's say, I mean, I don't want to sit here and list countries, but I, I will. I mean, I, Liberia, hey, out, brother. Come Liberia on, Uganda, Ethiopia. Um, on my honeymoon, um, we went to um, Portugal and then flew down to Morocco and then back to Portugal. Um, been to a lot through Europe, Italy, wow. France, Portugal, Belgium, uh, the fairly standard. We, I did go to Korea and Japan, which is really cool. I always want to go over to uh, Korea and Japan because I, I think in my mind, even from a photographer's perspective, I thought that the gap, the technology gap between sub-Saharan Africa and Korea and Japan, who are, you know, obviously some of the leading edge of, um, technology. Yeah. Um, I was like, that would just be a fascinating thing to see in, in real life. And so in one time at the, when I was married, the first year I was married in 2012, my, uh, my wife at the time, um, we went to, um, I think within a month we went on another mission trip. That's where we met to Uganda we flew back to DC for 24 hours and then got on a plane and flew over to Korea. And so within 10 days we were in sub-Saharan Africa, Washington, DC, Korea, and then Tokyo for three days and back. And so that was a, a very crazy time clock issue, but just to see that many cultures in that sort of amount of yeah, time. Geez. And you know, Africa for people who have traveled over understand the, the pushing, the cutting, the crowding, the you ain't got no space like people are all up on you in a crowd it's not personal it's just culture yeah uh you go to korea and it is dead silent in the subway people line up in single file line no one talks to you there's no one there with guns telling you to do that it is just what they do yeah, yeah. it is just quiet reserved Social norms, relatively militant right? but but you know, for my wife at the time, who is super introverted, she loved it because, and I don't, <laughs> I think everyone would love not being pushed up against and cut this in. This is a shy person. But paradise. it's like, you know, yeah, it's like <laughs> no one looks at you. They're all on at the time. I think I was saying this earlier. Like an, I have an iPhone 8, which is sort of data, but still a relatively large screen. At the time, back in 2012, they had screens over in Korea. I was like, I mean, to me now, I'd call it an iPad. It probably wasn't the size of an iPad, but they looked enormous. And again, that technology gap of what is Korea and Japan doing at the leading edge of there, and the versus like Sub-Saharan Africa, where ironically, it's always funny, always not funny, always interesting to see cell phones propagated throughout Africa where they're obviously missing a lot of other infrastructure. Yeah, but yeah cell yeah, phones yeah. are just, you know, ubiquitous. But You're the um, chip. So anyways, um, so, you know, Korea, Japan, um, Argentina, Chile, Nicaragua, uh, Mexico, Honduras. Um, then Europe, area, decent part of Europe. Have you been to Antarctica? I have not. Ooh. I have not been to Antarctica. Well, you haven't lived. I haven't lived. <laughs> That's uh, Canada, well- I have been to Canada. Nice. I've been to okay. Canada. There you go. Uh, I will say this They're to Canada. To Canada, you have beautiful national parks and very, very scary uh, border patrol. Uh, there's nothing more. I've been to a lot of countries, uh, relative. Canada has some real strict. Uh, what? 
that? They're, they're scary. always they're so scary, crossing over the bridge uh, into Windsor. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, they they're great. And flew into Just Calgary right and they were like, "What are you doing here? I'm going to go into the park. What park? Uh, Banff." Where are you staying? And he was like, dude, I'm here to take a look at a grizzly maybe, and you are like making me scared right now. Okay? Here <laughs> to too drop funny. some money in your country. Uh, well, hey, you know, I got they, they wouldn't let me through the Northwest Passage, so. Yeah, they're strict. Yeah. <clears throat> well, all right. So I guess what was, what was, besides, you know, the early ones, were there any, like, really key memorable moments, things that just – we're just game changers. Places that you would never forget. Um, I'm going to take this one back to Africa. Because what's popping out of my head right now is this experience when I was in Uganda on a medical mission trip. Um, and I had laid over. I was there for about six weeks. So so a trip a, a trip came, and then I stayed, and I was there for... And I lived in Uganda for like six or seven weeks. And I was with some friends, and they were um, running the clinic, and I was just there. And we went to the local... AIDS clinic and um, I was able to sit in on this consultation with this mother and child with my friend uh, Amanda at the time not at the time she's still a good friend but uh, I was with Amanda at the time and she was doing like research or interviewing them and man bro it struck me this test came back for this so there's this mother and her son just had an HIV test and it came back negative. Mm-hmm. The mother started crying. I was like, oh, that's wonderful. He doesn't have HIV. She's like, no. She's really upset that he doesn't have AIDS. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, what? She's like, yeah, she's wishes that he had AIDS. I was like, um, why? Like, what is going on here? Like, this is, this is, I don't understand this. Well, because he gets free health care and it's a relatively benign disease now because it's been so mitigated that it's really just a ticket to free health care. That paradigm what? shift, I mean, Bitmoji, mind blown. <clears throat> I mean, that took me away. That was such a different, I don't even know what to talk about. That just blew my mind. It took me months to even just sit on that and be like. I've never even, I mean, is it is it something that you can basically live the whole rest of your life with, even in a place like that? Or is it just that you can... Are they making the choice of, well, he can have health care for the next 25 years until he dies of this, or he can have no health care for the rest of his life, and, and who knows what will happen? Well, right. If he doesn't have health care, he could die from you know just getting a cut and get infected, and he just gets yeah, pieced out at 17. Or, things, right? or But if you, if you have HIV, then you fall under all these you know, international guidelines and um, pretty much international health care, like if, you know, Oh due to the eradication gosh. of HIV, if you yeah. have someone who has HIV and the drugs are so good now that it's not really a threat like it was when it was first known. Sorry. So, you know, like it's 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 pretty much free health care. And so just the idea in my relatively young mind that a mom would be heartbroken that her kid didn't have HIV took me a while to get, which, of course, now I understand. And it makes sense. But it's still kind of a, a quagmire for me to think about. So. Um, Jeez. there's that story. And then, um, uh, Morocco is beautiful. Process that. Yeah, I know. Morocco is beautiful. Um, Portugal, um, not as hidden quiet as it once was, but it's still a really cool spot in Europe. I think to go, if you've got yeah. time, um, I photographed a wedding in Tuscany the other year and, um, 
for a while I kind of thought saw Italy as kind of like Disneyland of Europe. Like I don't want to go to Italy. Like it's just going to be every other American and Western tourist with a camera. Like this, there's nothing new in Italy. Then I went to Tuscany, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. I get. Oh, I, oh. Oh, all right. I get it now. Okay, this is actually completely ideal, and just like you see in the magazine. So go right. tu- go Tuscany. <laughs> well, let me. Uh, how about this then? What if there was? If you could only choose one, if you had to choose one place that was that was like completely on your bucket list, top shelf number one, of place that you wanted to be able to go and and take pictures of, where would that be? I'm putting you right on the spot. Oof. That I haven't been to? Yeah, haven't been there. Number one, got to see it before you die. So I have this thing, and you'll know, I'm a mountain guy in general. I, I love mountain ranges. I prided myself back in the day looking at Powder Magazine and being able to, before I read the caption, identify what mountain range it was, whether it was the Wasatch, whether it was Colorado, whether it was the Alps or the Andes. Um, that said, I've been to the Andes, I've been to the Rockies, I've been to the Canadian Rockies, I've been to the Alps, sort of, I went to Switzerland, oh, Switzerland's badass, Switzerland's amazing. Um, so, along that line, and I am on the spot, I'm gonna go with, can I give you a region instead of a country? Yeah, oh yeah, Like yeah, the, like the, like the Himalaya region, I mean, like, right. you know, like I, Nepal, was, Northern like, India, Mongolia, Everest. China, that just because I've never seen the Himalayas, like I, I've been to most major mountain ranges. I mean, I know millions of other little ones, but uh, I guess I would like to like to go there uh, for mountains. Now that you say that, I'm going to skip over and actually say I really want to go to the Middle East more. Oh, uh, that is a place that yeah. I have been fascinated with my entire life, and I, I the closest I've ever been was was living in Cyprus for. I think it was like two months, maybe three months. And, you know, that's that's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much just, just south of Turkey, right next to Syria, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. it was during, uh, I think it was our second round in Iraq. So it wasn't 100% safe. But, man, all I could think of is I'm so close to the pyramids. I'm so close to all these places that, have so much history, the cradle of civilization, just, ah, but it's all so messed up over there. And it just, I mean, if you want to talk about places that are really unsafe, that would be, that would be the region. Yeah. But (laughs) I I think, I think that's where I'd want to go the most. It's like, it is Israel, Lebanon, Jordan. I couldn't really get into Syria, but I've actually had two tickets booked to Turkey. One alone after the oil spill that I worked, I had. I was like, I'm going to go and take. Um, oh, you know, I'm going to go travel the, through uh-huh. Paul's journey, like in the Bible. It's like, I'm going to go travel from like Greece to Turkey down. I'm going to just. I'm going to go do it with my camera. I'm going to go take six months. I'm going to travel the Middle East. Canceled it because I realized it was kind of a crazy idea. Next time, <laughs> um, well, you could still go to Istanbul. Yeah. I've That's, been there. I had a ticket booked to Istanbul with my uh, with my wife at the time, and we found out we were pregnant with twins. God bless them, love them, great decision. But we had to cancel. We had tickets booked. Like you sound a little bitter. I feel like yeah, maybe no. the Christmas. I love you, girls. If you're listening, so great. I love you. You're more. You're better <laughs> than a trip to Turkey. However, we did have like a ten day trip around the coast of Turkey booked. 
Um, and it was a combination of the twins, and it was right when ISIS was really starting to come out on the scene, and we had friends say, you might not want to go to southern Turkey where it butts up against Syria. Just just a hint. Right. So. Well, uh, Turkey's huge, though. I mean, I... I oh, the history, dude. I mean, half the Bible is from Turkey. Oh, it's New insane. Gobekli Tempe is in Turkey. They don't even. They still don't even know how old that place actually is. It's insane. Cappadocia like, looks amazing. The caves. The, uh, that whole place is. It, it, I'll tell you what. The, the the strangest coincidence. I think one of the strangest coincidences I've ever had in my life. We sailed from Antigua uh, across, and wound up sailing finally after like 40 days into a marmorous turkey which is on sort of the the southwestern coast and the day we pulled in we're washing down the boat midday been there for like four hours and there is um i don't know if it was total but it was pretty close total eclipse of the sun wow and they have that on their flag i well i believe yeah. it's an eclipse it might be just like Crescent the crescent moon. moon, yeah. But it's basically there, and we're pulling into Turkey. This is a place I've always wanted to go, and really, luckily, you know, I had sort of expressed my interest in going to Istanbul before I went home, and they they booked my flights out of there like four days later, and so I was able to spend three days in that that city and talk about mind blown. I mean, when you turn the corner and see the blue mosque, wow, you feel like you're walking into you know the set of star wars it's just it's so immense and it's so unusually shaped and the the minarets and the domes and you go in there and the the columns that are holding that place up are as big as a room it's just i i it's almost enough to make like for a religious experience it's just yeah, it's sure. something where you just you see it and, it and i don't know it was absolutely amazing but Oh, there is. There's so much out there to see. It's, yeah. It is crazy. And if you ever get the chance, you just got to you gotta just go for it. You definitely want to prepare always and yeah. do your research and do all that because you want to do it intelligently and safely. But but I also think, yeah, no, I know. I, I, absolutely. But I, I can get frustrated with with the amount of fear that some Americans have with traveling. Well, yeah, there's like, a lot of give it up, people. Yeah. Like, well, in our, our, it's not that scary to travel. Our state department, not to get political or anything, but they, you know, they put travel warnings out for some places that you're just like, what? Like, yeah. Why, why is this a, on the danger list? Here? And talk about rabbit holes. I mean, if you want to sit and Google plane crashes, you'll never fly again. If you want to Google, you know, yeah, incidents yeah. abroad, you know, like, you're not going to travel, but just just don't do the Googling and just go travel and see how amazing people are. We're all humans. They're interested. People are a lot more gracious abroad than I think that Americans are. And when was the last time you saw someone at the store who was from a different country? Oh, would you like to come over for dinner? That happened to me in Morocco, deep in the country, not in a city center. I, deep out in the country. Yeah. And these people are inviting us into their homes in tea where everyone's wearing all the women are wearing coverings and it is like it is it is a different world. We're on the border of Algeria and it was a different place and they're still welcoming us in and having tea. I mean it was borderline you know, we got back from that trip and like two weeks later is when like the terrorist bomb like the BP Algeria plant. I was like well, I was within, you know, hundred miles of that last week. Right, right. <laughs> then I had tea with them. But you know, you know, they decided to go ahead and bomb plant. So well, I dude, I I still remember. Uh, I think it was my last day in Istanbul, and 
I it, everything just went by so fast that I I hooked into getting a guide for the day. I was like, I really just want to at least see the last few things, you know, that I don't really know about. So I hired a guide and one of the stops that we went to that day was the Sultan's Tombs. And it's a, it's a place where I I'm you know, this was so long ago, but they have all these the sultans from, you know, 13th century stuff like that. Uh, all in their tombs and you get to walk through this room and we're walking by and this guy was great. And again, you got to remember, this is the time where we were at war with the Middle East and all this sort of stuff. And um, and we're looking and, and sort of he's giving me a little rundown and it, the one sign on there. It was some Sultan, you know, a thousand years ago. And on his thing, the little information placard said, you know, invaded Baghdad and blah, blah, blah. 1302 or something and <laughs> the guy sort of elbows me and he's like see we did it too don't even worry about it <laughs> <laughs> and it was just i don't know i mean it, obviously not a funny subject war and killing people all sorts of stuff but like i don't know it, it just goes to show that that you can be in the the strangest faraway place with people that you know for all intents and purposes you should, probably shouldn't like because this that and the other thing and you can you find this common ground and that's that's something just that little that day that I got to spend with that guy uh, was basically is something I'll never forget. Sure. And of that whole day, that one thing that I will absolutely never forget was when he elbowed me and said, yeah, we've all done it. Don't worry about it. And yeah. it is, you know, it's those are the experiences that are impossible to find through a YouTube video. You're never going to get it by reading a book. You actually have to go there. And, and it changes it. your understanding of the human condition, the human spirit, the whole, the human like relatability. I feel like people don't, you know, we struggle in America to relate to others sometimes. And I feel like travel can really help you relate to other people, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. But uh, I don't know this story. It didn't happen to me. And one little caveat, if I can share just a sure. second. Um, where was it? It was when we were in Morocco and we had a guide. Um, and he was telling me that, you know, there's this, he has a friend or knows of a friend who's in, we were in Morocco, maybe it was over in Algeria or um, Tunisia or something or, or Chad, one of the northern, North African, not uh, not Sub-Saharan, but obviously North Africa. Um, Pull it Saharan together, countries. man. Sorry. God, you should this, have an atlas. <laughs> this guy, uh, this local guy who's a tour guide never been to you know never formally educated but he knows um like five different languages there's this guy he, he's he knows english he knows german he knows like japanese he knows arabic all these things i just thought found it absolutely fascinating that here's a guy who's been relatively uneducated but can speak like some of the most complex languages in the world right and you can come across this guy in the middle of a desert in northern africa here he is like riding a camel with probably some beautiful garb on that's like centuries old style. And he can speak like Japanese fluently because he's had enough Japanese tours come through and Arabic, which is a native language, and probably English and probably French and German. And I'm like, here I am growing up in like Carmel, Indiana, like playing soccer on the weekend. And like, here's this guy growing up on a camel speaking like five <laughs> languages. I'm like, who's got a more interesting life? I don't know. Like, why is he bad and I'm good? I don't know. I mean, let's just all freaking travel a little bit more and understand that we're all like, and you know. It, it, related that, it's, that it's really difficult you know it's uh into question the whole definition or or at least how some some people might define being educated you mm -hmm. know where 
who who's really more educated in in life or in you know cultures and stuff obviously that guy he's been there seen that done that learned that and you know has all that knowledge and that is you know uh, i i think i think our sort of idea growing up is high school college career experience that's how you're going to you know be an become an educated top person and in a lot of ways you are missing out on a, a huge chunk so uh, with that like with that equation though and i'm sitting here thinking like you know of course you know high school middle school high school college career we're an american and the american equation is the hey here's the equation where you go off and explore the world and learn about what you really want to do maybe that's something that needs to change in america so between high school and college like the gap year or maybe it's like a gap years plural I mean, uh, or, or you incorporate some of the travel and the exploratory thinking, the global thinking at an earlier age where people, so you can break the equation up. I mean, wait, what's changed the equation, America? And like, in other words, a little uh, bit more scarier. And uh, uh, that's the one thing with, with social well, media. We love social media, but it does bring the whole world right to the palm of your hand. But that doesn't still take away the experience that you have from smelling the air and having the conversations and maybe being scared and maybe breaking through some paradigm shifts of your own while you're abroad. You know, I just think, I think you and I are both big proponents of travel, so we're a little biased, but I just think it's so important. Well, and, and you know, not to even mention the C word, but once this whole stuff is finished, I, I think I think one of the things that is a good takeaway from all the stuff that's gone on in 2020 is that... I think it was a wake-up call for a lot of people to say, hey, if there's things that you want to do and places that you want to see, you may lose your ability to actually do that. Because, I mean, basically, 2020 was a write-off. I wasn't going to go anywhere. I I sailed around the Atlantic. I would have loved to have stopped in a few places, but I didn't feel like it was an appropriate time for some solo sailor to pull into the Azores or the Cape Verde Islands and and – and sort of just be that guy. And I know that for me, one of the first things I want to do is just get out there and go somewhere and, and, and experience something. Cause right now I still feel like basically the, the party's sort of closed still the bar is closed. You can't, there's no, I'm not going to go and travel to a different country right now. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like the appropriate time. And sure. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where hopefully silver lining trying to look at the bright side is that having having everybody going through this whole situation will sort of in turn when it does normalize then people will be like, "You know what? You know how we've always wanted to go over and see France. Well, what do you say, honey? Let's do it. We sure don't want to wait until something else happens and we can't actually go and see it." Yeah. Uh, do do you need to let the pup out? Um, no, I can't. She is she is getting excited, but um, yeah, she yeah. is. She's, yeah. well, she's jealous because you're not focusing on her. I know she's a <laughs> she's a big baby. She's a big baby. No, yeah, we can wrap it up. But um, uh, the last point, I mean, just to kind of go off your last point is that if we're looking for relatedness, I'm always looking for relatedness. The whole world's been through COVID. Yeah. Oh, so everybody has. If you're just say you're going to France for the first time or wherever you want to go, you got something to talk about. Hey, how did you? Just ask someone. Hey, how'd you handle COVID? 
Oh, Boom. like icebreaker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds cheesy when we call it an icebreaker, but it's a conversation well, I, I, I've never... I mean, uh, the whole world is going through the same thing, so... Very insightful. We're all related. We all have the ultimate icebreaker now. There you go. Wow. Drake, that's... that's I have... That's the first time I've ever heard of that, Of and that is probably the ultimate way to see the whole situation as see it as something that that possibly could turn into a good but yeah i mean you could go anywhere and say to anybody man how was it for you because wow it got a little scary over there and uh you know blah 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 wow holy smokes well i'll tell you what because we're 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 well over an hour at this point um I, I feel like we could literally talk on and on. I, I think we're definitely going to have to do this again. I think so. It's been a lot more fun than I anticipated. I know. See, you were nervous before, and now you don't trust me. I, people don't trust me. They Thank you, always... Kirkland Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's been it's been fabulous to have you on the show, and I I think this will be very interesting for, for anybody that listens and stuff. But um, do you, you want to plug maybe like just your website or something? Give us something that, that the listeners can at least check out some of your work. You got to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, JoshuaDrakePhotography.com and then uh, JoshuaDrakePhoto um, is the handle on Instagram. Um, so you'll be able to see some current stuff. I, I, I've, a, I've got a drone license, so I do a lot of aerials here in South Carolina. Yeah, um, oh yeah, a lot of my international work is going to be more on my website. I've tailored it back some, but there's, you'll you'll get a good idea of what I do. Um, so yeah, JoshuaDrakePhotography.com dot com and Joshua Drake Photo on Instagram. If okay, you're well, and I'll I'll put those in the in the description. I'll, I'll keep the description on this one pretty short so that I can just include those because I'm sure people will want to definitely see that. Uh, a few examples. I mean, I, I know just the, the first thing I wanted to see was the shots from Liberia, and they're absolutely breathtaking. So, right, Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Josh, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, camping again and, and just basically uh, staying reconnected. So I can't thank you enough. And, um, yeah, until next time, which hopefully will be really, really soon, um, that's it. Thanks a lot. Hey everybody, just a quick note. If you enjoy this podcast, you can now support it. Just go to Podbean online, search Sailing into Oblivion, and you can become one of my patrons. It would be hugely appreciated and make sure that this podcast keeps going on and on. Thanks for listening.